All right, we're back. It's Wednesday. It is time for another episode of the Club Cool Podcast. We're right here, same spot we always are. That's the intersection of style and pop culture. We've got a really fun episode for you today. Phil is out, and in his stead, I've got a, a great guest. Let's welcome Andrew Adams to the studio. Hey, man. How's it going? How's it going? Um, anybody that's been riding with Grand X for a, for a long time, is it a, a day one Grand X head? <laughs> You might know Andrew from uh, from directing me in the early Dick's Picks episodes, season one Dick's Picks, and two, season and two, two. yeah, that's and the right. Christmas special as well. That that's probably what you take most pride in uh, in your whole film, filmography, right? Yeah. Is the is the early Dick's Pick stuff? Early Dick's Pick stuff. Yeah, a lot of people say that that's uh, that's both of our best work. Yeah, ever, ever on screen. That's the Godfather Part One and Two of. <laughs> Of the trilogy, you also did. Uh, we you, you specialized early on in like the parody videos. I was in one called Frat Fellas, Brochel Network, and uh, Inebriation Inception parody. Inebriation yeah. Inception. Yeah, how's it going now? Pretty good, pretty good. Atomic uh, still chugging along, right? Still chugging along. Still working with a good crew of you know close family, close friends, and hanging out in Austin, and then doing some work in LA. I really like it. You're you you are kind of a jet setter, I would say. I, I I follow you on Instagram. Dallas one day, Austin the next, maybe New York, maybe LA. Yeah. Uh, well, so a lot of our work comes from traveling and doing things for brands and then little short films, little feature stuff and uh, pitching ideas. And so, yeah, most of our work is just production work is moving around and <laughs> trying to make that next story. Yeah. But still based out of Austin. Still, still based out of Austin, downtown Austin. And uh, yeah, still doing the majority of our like development work here. That's awesome. So today, Andrew and I, we are going to talk a little bit about the film and the entertainment and the TV industry. Uh, it's been a while since we touched on some of that stuff here on this podcast, but I always like to do it. It's one of my favorite things to kind of pay attention to. Uh, Andrew always has like really good takes on just like, I like reading your film reviews and your Instagram stories. Oh, thanks, man. I always kind of like, you always kind of like, you're very articulate with 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 how you feel about the movies. Why and I liked Dumbo. Yeah. <laughs> did you like Dumbo? I did like Dumbo. I'm hearing there's a lot of pressure now on the live action Aladdin because Dumbo did not do super Well, you're high. not going to like that Aladdin's probably going to not be great. <laughs> so, okay, we're, we're breaking off into a tangent right here, right now. It's happening. Um, I, I was watching the the first like full-length trailer for this new Aladdin film that's yeah. coming out. And I was, to- I was, no, I'm like sitting there cringing, shaking my head. But then uh, Jasmine and Aladdin get on the the flying carpet and start singing <laughs> a whole new world. and start singing a whole new world, yeah. a whole new world. And I was like immediately sucked in and in the bag for the movie. Well, see, I'm I want it to succeed because I love Guy Ritchie. Okay, uh, my understanding is he didn't show up to set a lot of days because he got <laughs> tired of Disney. He's a Warner Brothers guy. Uh, but and I like Will Smith as the genie, but I cannot deal with Derek Zoolander Jafar. That's <laughs> too much for me. Wait, is it Ben? It's not Ben. Stiller, no, it's though, just the it? guy who's like, bring me the lamp. Okay, all right. He's thirty years old. Yeah, Ben Kingsley wasn't available. He would have been the right choice, I think, for sure. Um, you know, they probably didn't want to cast like a white guy in the role. <laughs> is he white? Ben Kingsley? He played Gandhi. He did that. I, that is probably a, a, a stain among the he on, won on the film best industry. actor for Gandhi. <laughs> I noticed actually this was this stuck out this past weekend on SNL. They needed a Kim Jong, Kim Jong Un, and the tra- Sandra Oh was hosting. Yeah, so she played the translator, but they there's no other Asian cast members, <laughs> so they just brought in like a random like they had an Asian 
guy That's come in and cool. just do the thing. Yeah, it was very cool. But it was like it's very clear choice because five years ago they just would have had like Fred, Be- Fred Bennett Armisen. or Fred Fred Armisen <laughs> like do Kim Jong right. Uh, uh, no, Bobby not, not anymore. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna talk a little bit. There's been some big mergers happening. It's kind of up in the air what that means for like you know the new direction of TV and streaming and entertainment. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about some films. Uh, Andrew's getting ready to go to the Cannes Film Festival. Did I say that right? It's Cannes, right? Yeah, it's not Cannes, and it's actually more like Ken, K-E-N. K-E-N, okay. All right, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And then uh, in the back half, Andrew is is really into style as well, mostly with sunglasses and suiting and and looking sharp on the red carpet, basically. So we're going to touch on a little bit of everything today, and uh, it should be great. We're going to jump into some stuff just here in a second, but first, we're going to take a quick break and hear from a sponsor. Hey, I know you guys have heard me talk about Outer Known, and I want to talk about it again. This is the brand that was founded by Kelly Slater, who is a world-class pro surfer, 11-time champion. His clothes are awesome, and Outer Known has a great, great mission. They're providing great clothes that don't harm the environment. We want to be sustainable. We want to protect the earth, and so does Outer Known. They're making high-quality, sustainable clothes. Everything is super durable. Everything I own from them fits really, really well. And the deal that they're offering my listeners is awesome as well. 25% off your entire full price order using code COOL. Go to OuterKnown.com. There's a ton of stuff that's perfect for spring and summer. Really good basic t-shirts. They have awesome graphic tees if you want a little bit more flair. Swim trunks that are perfect for just chilling at a pool party or legit being at the beach and surfing. That's O-U-T-E-R-K-N-O-W-N.com. Remember to use my code COOL at checkout for 25% off. We love this brand, and uh, and I'm pretty sure that you will too. All right, Andrew, we're back. What's up? HBO, AT&T, there's been this this big merger between them. Do I have I've got that the do I have the two main entities right? Not really, right? It's like really it's like Time, Time Warner, Warner which who is owns Warner H- who owns HBO. Yeah, so it's Warner Brothers essentially and AT&T. And they're moving and they're merging with AT&T. They are. Although they're not really merging. I mean, they're merging, but really they're acquiring a content distributor being a content provider themselves. So it's less of a merger than like the Fox Disney merger where they're literally just merging two production companies and laying off thousands of people. Okay. But there has been some like movement with who is in what role with HBO and AT&T. Oh, absolutely. There's yeah. like some there's like some new heads of everything. What the, what I'm concerned most about is what this means for HBO because they've they've long been kind of like the arbiters of what's best about television, I would say. Absolutely. They're very very picky. They are not broadcasting multiple nights a week, typically. No. HBO Sundays. Yeah, HBO Sundays, exactly. They are able to do things like, you know, shoot a Game of Thrones pilot that was not good and just redo the entire thing. Or Westworld. They shot it and two years later decided to finish <laughs> it and add Ed, uh, Ed Harris. To it. Right. So it's like, you know, they've, they've got, they've always had like this incredible freedom creatively and with their budget, which allows them to like put out what's u- what's usually the best stuff on TV. Oh, absolutely. What what it feels like and sounds like to me is that they see the need to start competing with a Netflix or a Hulu that is releasing new stuff every single week. Yes, they, they want to up the, le- the the amount of content. Oh, absolutely. And they what they want is I mean, look, look at it. They're putting out a new season of Silicon Valley, Watchmen, um Game of Thrones, I think three or four other new series and those are all coming out staggered. So like Big Little Lies 
Maybe it'll come out Sunday, but I think it's going to be like a Wednesday release. So they're going to add another day okay. of programming to their stuff. The real thing I think people don't think about or remember is like Netflix in 2013 is when they started House of Cards, right? So that was the all episodes available, instant streaming. People had – it was unfounded. No one really thought of it. Right. But HBO had thought of it because they had been doing HBO Go for three years. And you could watch every episode of every show they'd ever produced on the internet, you know, on your iPad, on your iPhone. Sure. And it just felt like a different world. And so people don't really give them that credit. But th- I think that's what kept a lot of their subscribers and keep people coming to them. Yeah. And that gave them the financial attitude to, you know, they made a Lewis and Clark show with Casey Affleck. And then <laughs> he was in some trouble and he grew out that long, you know, hobo beard for it. Uh, and they spent, you know, I think $70 million on it. Have you ever seen it? <laughs> no. Ever came out. Not uh, sure I've heard of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Um, or, you know, true detective ideas that didn't work and then they just don't make them. Right. Um, I think that this merger, what it's going to do is, one, it's going to give them an internet service provider. It's going to give them AT&T, which I think is the biggest, the gold standard that everyone basically leases from. And it'll allow them to have more streaming content, greater financial latitude to create more things. I think it's a positive thing. I think people are worried about it. About you know the chief executive officers and creative people behind HBO changing, right. but really that's a shakeup at Warner Brothers. Uh, Kevin Tuzahara had to step down from Warner Brothers because of some racy texts. That yep. Uh, um, and Alan Horn, who was the previous head of Warner Brothers, now works for Disney and he does the Disney live action reboots. He's the head guy there, and so it's really Warner Brothers, their parent company, that's going through the big changes. I actually think HBO is going to be okay because, like you said, when you say HBO, it's not TV, it's HBO. It's right, right. They say, and so people think about it that way. Um, Netflix is the dominant force, but really, by and large, they don't put out a lot of good stuff. They put out a lot of bird boxes and mediocre content, and they buy up everything they can. And that's that bubbles. Maybe it's not going to burst, but it's changing, and people are aware that it's like Netflix isn't your house of cards place anymore. It's your oh, it's a Netflix movie. I guess I'll fall asleep while I'm watching. Right, right. Yeah the 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 amount of content that they put out is, I mean, it's really it's it's nothing short of incredible and. You're right. They they kind of hit like a lot. They hit a lot of singles and then like some doubles and some triples, but very few home runs. I would say. And one thing people don't realize about Netflix is they're going to these film festivals, and they're just buying everything. So you know, Fox Searchlight, which would do a good job putting out a movie, says like five million dollars. Netflix says, oh fuck, uh, twenty million dollars. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then they own the movie Mudbound. They put it out the next day. No one right. watches it, and they don't care. Um, so they're not producing all this stuff. HBO. And Warner Brothers, when you're seeing Game of Thrones, they're sitting there, their people on their sets are going and making it. And I think that's what makes a quality product is end-to-end control. Yeah. Uh, so there's there's been, you, you've probably seen it on HBO recently, kind of in this build-up to Game of Thrones. They have like a new trailer piece, yeah. I'll say, and it like goes through all the stuff that's coming in 2019. Yeah. And it's one of the things that, I mean, obviously... The summer tri- image is what that's called. They do one every summer. It's really fun. Yeah, okay. It, it's it is, it's mind-blowing how good it is every single year. And yeah. it kind of reminds me of you guys cause, because you guys were always like super, super good at those kind Promo of... Promo trailers? Pro- trailers and like quick-cutting type... Thanks, man. ...you know, thing. Uh, and, um, you know, these HBO ones are the gold standard and their lineup seems really, really big already this yeah. year. There's like I can't even. It's it's Watchmen. It's a show called Euphoria. It's, Which was uh, David Fincher, and he walked off of it. Really? Yeah. So okay. and, and yet they that's still doesn't matter. They've got the money and the time to just keep making it. Yeah. I mean, there's there's like a few movies in there. It's just like it's it's it feels like already like a large amount of content, and that was all I would imagine pre like, pre the merger. Yeah. So it's just like man, if they even double that, that is going to be like a wild amount of content. And that's, that's I think, where the concern comes. It's like, 
there's no way that they like hit at the same rate. Quality control. Well, if they're making double or even more than that. Oh yeah, of, of, I think the content. A lot of that output right now was anticipatory. So. NBC Universe, there's five big studios, five big agencies, and well, now there's no, sorry, there's four big studios now because Fox merged with Disney. But, um, you know, like NBC Universal, they are owned by Comcast. Comcast is an internet provider. Right. And uh, Disney merging with Fox means that all the big studios and big IP, you know, your Marvel, your Star Wars, and all of your Disney stuff, and now also X Men and Avatar and The Simpsons are all under one roof. And so I think for many years they anticipated they were going to have to merge with some sort of telecarrier for the sake of, you know, the cash injection. Yeah. So HBO and their executives were planning like, okay, well, we do five original programming shows now. Let's bump it up to seven or, you know, eight or nine. Yeah. And then if we get this and it lands, then let's bump it up to 20. Um, but I think because they prepared for that, you're not going to see a quality control issue. You might. You might get a true detective season two in there. <laughs> Uh, that's true. That's true. Or uh, camping, if you've ever seen that, it's fucking unwatchable. I heard that it was awful, and so I did not even. Well, watch that episode. It, from creator Lena Dunham, you lost me right there. So, <laughs> um, but I, I think it's more or less going to be a positive thing. I'm also from Dallas, and AT and T is a Dallas company, yeah. so I'll just rep Dallas all day long. You're gonna, yeah, you ride uh, for them. Yeah, I ride for them. <laughs> okay. Um, what out, out of HBO's upcoming slate? What are you looking forward to most? Uh well I mean it's just cliche to say Game of Thrones I honestly uh I've heard well, it's how about some, how about something new then what maybe one of the the new, the so, new programs I Watchmen um, same I think that you, Zack Snyder's Watchmen's an incredible movie it's an incredible comic book and I'm just interested to see what Damon Lindelof yeah. the lost you know make it up as I go along guy <laughs> does. I mean hey I I got into the leftovers late and was just completely floored by the last season it was like one of the best seasons head of and TV, shoulders above everything else like I've ever seen and so. Whatever he wants to do, I'm 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 ready to to go down that wormhole no, with him. I mean, that's an incredible ending. To it. I mean, if he, basically because of the ending of the like the leftover season one didn't really care. Right, season two was too cheaply produced in Austin, by the way. <laughs> uh, just looked like it too. Um, and then three just hit me, and so that's the Watchmen because of him is what I'm most excited about. Yeah. So there's a. Uh there's another merger that we've kind of mentioned here in this discussion already, Disney and Fox. Yeah. And that's two, like you said, that's two production studios joining in. Yeah, so Fox is the largest by size studio there is. I think Warner Brothers used to be by like volume of profits, but now it's mm-hmm. Disney, obviously, because of Marvel. Um, so one of the things that this means now is that, okay, we've had, let's see, I think I have this right. Disney has Marvel, Yeah. but Fox had X-Men. Correct. And so now those two worlds can begin to merge. So people, that's really all people care about when they hear like Fox and Disney. Like, right. Oh, Wolverine, Deadpool can be in the and Marvel. Can be, I'm yeah. like, you're not going to get your Deadpool, your Logans or your Days of Future Past or your, I'm trying to think of another one that's yes. good. Right. There's a bunch of good ones. And I mean, there's some bad ones. Ju- you know, we, we like with HBO and the merger, it's like you, you worry about, uh, you know, them keeping like their quality control Yeah. with this one. Th- this is, this is a bad sign that Disney is going to own Fox. I unpopular hot take. I think so. Uh, I mean, look at the optics of it. They're firing four to five thousand people. Uh, that's a shitload of people. Um, and then what I would say is the most prolific Oscar-winning studio that has an eye for talent, Fox Searchlight. They've already changed the logo. It's kind of the to me the writing is on the wall that it's going to at least shift dramatically in how they market content. Um, and then like stuff like The Simpsons. You may lose The Simpsons. Well, so dis- th- this is also, I mean, at the end of the day, like all this kind of feels like it's going to be about these streaming wars. Yeah. So they're going to come, they're about to launch Disney Plus, 
which is going to have Marvel and Star Wars as like the huge, the, the like the big the temple ten, temples. Yeah. Um, but then, like one thing I've heard, like a Disney produced movie or TV show, you cannot smoke in it. There can be no cigarettes. No, correct. So it's like, like I just don't know how you can't show butts in Disney. Stuff right? Either. Like, how are they going to make? anything that's that's mature at all do you like will they find some way around that i don't well i don't want to sleep on disney too bad because i love their renaissance of the 90s animation and i think when they were trying stuff like the lone ranger and tron legacy i was really with them i was like okay they're trying really expensive things they don't quite hit but now that they own everything and they put their rules for specific children's stuff against all of their content yeah um, I mean, go back to Warner Brothers and HBO. That's why they succeed. And we like their content is they, there are no rules. Right. So you could have a huge bomb that sucks and is strange, you know, Batman versus Superman, which I like, but uh, <laughs> whatever. And then you can have a Wonder Woman that's a completely different movie after it. And then you can have a Game of Thrones and a Westworld, a Western and a fantasy. You're not going to have that that are both hard R. <laughs> yeah, right. You're not going to have that on Disney because Disney has their own rules. And it's fine for them to have their own rules for their content, but their content doesn't just – Mickey Mouse anymore. It's Mickey Mouse and Avatar and the X Men. And I'm trying to think of other like big stuff too. I mean, you're just not gonna you're not gonna see your alien movies or if you've seen the new Planet of the Apes ones that are really dark and gritty. Those are Fox movies. That's a Fox tentpole. And um, you're not gonna see those on their streaming services. The other thing it might affect is Hulu. Hulu, I would say, is the standard barrier of like good content still mm-hmm. of the major streamers. And uh, ABC and Disney own a big stake in that, and then Fox had a competing stake, and now they just own the whole but stake the, of it. NBC, doesn't NBC also have a stake in? They Hulu? do, but now the dominant share is Fox, is Fox and Disney, or Fox and ABC. So huh. it's Disney owns it more. Okay, so right. it changes the landscape of things like that, and yeah, what you're going to see on those. Well, I mean, maybe, maybe that is how they like filter the like the more adult and mature content is through the Hulu streaming oh, app, which they can kind of like... It's possible. I mean... Separate a little bit. Yeah, but just forget about smoking in a Star Wars movie thing. You're not going to get Always Sunny in Philadelphia or Archer. Yeah, I know. I mean, uh, yeah. You know, no one that says those names when they're talking about Wolverine. Like they, they, and and they, yeah, they have to find a place for that type of stuff. They can't, like, it would just be so, so sad to like to lose that, that really good stuff that Fox has been doing for yeah. for quite some time now. And Fox is a terrible company in most respects. <laughs> let's <laughs> let's be clear. They make shitty rom-coms and terrible <laughs> tent poles otherwise. But they do a couple things right and TV is a big part of it. And yeah. so I don't know. We'll see we'll see what happens. I think that's that's the scary merger. Some of people I know and some of my friends are going to lose their jobs. Um and so people don't think about that. The AT&T merger, it's just more money's going to HBO to make right. more stuff. Maybe it doesn't hit, but at least it, you know, we'll get more content out of it. Yeah. Uh, we were talking just briefly about like the the quality of content on Netflix. I did just want to. Did you see Russian Doll? No, thought that was pretty good. I I mean I like Natasha Leon. That's that's yeah. her work, right? Uh, uh-huh. And she produced it, I believe, too. She did, yeah. Uh, haven't seen it yet. Just, just so much saturation. Uh, it's it's, it's through it. wild. I'm still trying to put itself. press through Arrested Development season five part two. <laughs> at the end. So, okay. So since I've been. Dating my current girlfriend five years now. Like, shout out, we, shout out to Laura. We have gone through. I've basically like taken her through all of my favorite comedies ever, like just straight through the whole season. So we've done Parks and Rec, Thirty Rock, and The Office, and we are now on Arrested Development. <laughs> and God, it's still just like one of the most creatively crafted comedies ever 
in the, the way that it like sets up a joke in season one where there's no and there's no punchline for that, or the punchline is in season one and the setup's not even until season two. Like just the way that they do. You know who's handling those things? The common directors of most episodes. Uh, I'm not sure. It's Anthony and Joe Russo, the Russo brothers, who directed Avengers Endgame and Avengers Infinity War. Okay, kind of strange thing there. They went wow. from Arrested Development and Community to Marvel. <laughs> yeah, that's cr- that is yeah. that's wild. That's uh, good for them, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm I'm kind of worried about we're on season two right now, and like <laughs> I know that the Netflix produced stuff is not as good. I was excited. I mean, it was six years ago when the first Netflix produced stuff came out too, and I was just excited for it. Yeah. But that, uh, and they, they, okay, so they apparently like when they first did that one that season, they didn't have all the cast together, so they had right. To do, so they had to do these like little bottle episodes, yeah. basically. But then they then they apparently now that season is remixed, yeah. So it's like put together, fateful consequences in a called. in a more regular yeah. Have manner. you not, have you watched? No, those? not yet. Uh-uh. I like them. More. Is it better? I think so. Yeah, I think it moves along faster. There's eight more episodes somehow. Okay, yeah. I mean, there's they just put out put out uh, more content. Yeah, um, or more another season I mean, of of Arrested. Yeah, and then you have you watched any of season five, part one, or part two? No, 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 no experience with that whatsoever yet. I mean, some will say it's unwatchable. <laughs> I will say making Mister F Mexican Romney family is an interesting <laughs> thing for me. I might just cut it off at season three. I might just let it. You know, you should just jump to the very last season because they end it all now. Yeah. Okay. And Netflix buried it. That's another example of that. They were worried about the press from it, so they did not announce it. They did only put a trailer on YouTube. They didn't put it on their main page. Yep. And it was under, I think, some other movie they were releasing. They they just did that with uh, season two of the OA as well. Yeah. I watched season one. Did, does not even show up like on, on my main screen on my algorithm that season two was released. Well, Britt Marling, I think, is her name. I just I have to like scroll down and like flip through like a bunch of different stuff to even find it or go search for it because the director Britt, she's the star of it too. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't do the press the way they wanted her to, so they like all right, well, fuck you. And they, they, that's what they do. The algorithm, man. Yeah, they they can bury you on that. Just thing. Watch The Office for a seventh <laughs> time. Yeah. All right, uh, we're gonna shift focus here in just a second to uh, to movies. But uh, first, let's take another break. Man, do you ever just have like a crazy craving for red wine at 4 p.m. or sushi at 9 p.m. or a breakfast burrito when you're hungover at 8 a.m.? I'm sure that you do, but you you can't ask your best friends to bring you that stuff. Your girlfriend's not going to go out and get it for you. That's why you need Postmates. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever you can think of delivery service all year round. And I really do mean all year round. That's 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Postmates will bring you what you want within the hour. You don't have to go to the store. You don't even have to know where it is. You don't have to get on a bunch of other apps and like figure out the nearest sandwich shop. You just download the app for iOS or Android for free. And you can browse local restaurants and businesses and track the delivery right there in the app. For a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. That's right, $100. To start your free deliveries, download the app right now and use code CLUBCOOL. That's all one word, CLUBCOOL. That's code CLUBCOOL for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Get anything you need. Postmates is awesome. I've used them a bunch of times for everything. Uh, usually, well, let's be real. It's usually for like queso and pancakes from, uh, from a local diner here in Austin on a Saturday or Sunday morning. You can use it for that too. 
Postmates. Use code CLUBCOOL for $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. All right, Andrew, talk a little bit about TV and streaming. Now let's jump into the film industry. What's going on with films right now? Are, are you okay with pretty much every major release being a superhero or a sequel movie? I mean, I sound like an asshole if I say yes or no, right? Uh, um, I'll get out of the way, elephant in the room. I don't super love Marvel. Uh, okay. I don't like the serialization of content. So I don't mind everything being a superhero movie if you're going to make a, a Logan or a Deadpool and then also make a Captain America Civil War and Avengers. What I don't like is everything interconnecting into everything else to where it has to be cheaply produced, rushed to produce, and get something out every year or even every season. Yeah. Um but I can't sleep on reboots and requels and sequels that are really good. I mean, people shit all over it, you know, it, it chapter one, uh, when Kerry Fukunaga, director of true detective was creating it. Um, and then he left the project and a guy named Andy Machete picked it up and it is a fantastic movie. And it led to the resurgence of Stephen King work. Sure. Sure. Um, and so like adaptations and stuff like that, not angry at it. It's good. A star is born is the fourth yep. remake of a movie. Yeah. Well, we just, uh, a little earlier, uh, off mic, we talked about us. I had mentioned that I got this email from Alamo Drafthouse, and they basically put together a list of like their top Friday openings ever. And like us is the only original movie that were, or it's the only movie that wasn't a superhero movie or a sequel to like crap, crack, crack that top 25 list. And then you mentioned that it's kind of a Twilight Zone play, basically. Yeah. And you just mentioned Logan, and what, and that kind of leads me to down this other path that I've read some stuff about, where filmmakers kind of feel forced now to like package the story that they want to tell into pre-existing IP. Yeah. So it's like, uh, remind me who the director of Logan was? James Mangold, director yeah, James of Three Tend to Yuma and Walk the Line. Right. So he wanted to make like a gritty West, noir, he noir Western. Western film, yeah. <laughs> but had to package it into like Logan and Wolverine so that it was under the the you know. so we could get 70 million dollars exactly exactly yeah. and there's there's there are a lot of other examples of that uh rogue one was like originally like a just a heist film supposed yeah. to be like a heist film and they put it into the star wars packaging so it's you know you you have a lot of that going on and i guess some of those movies end up really really good and so it's okay yeah but it's just it's it's almost is there is is there a bubble? Are we going to get tired of this eventually? Like, will we will we see like a you know people go back to like trying to create more original stories, or are we just past that? Are there no more original stories left to tell? Well, I think the appetite for original stories is always there, but people move to t- television for it, like we just talked about. That's a great point. Um, too. Yeah, that that definitely seems to be the medium for like some of this. Yeah, more unique individual storytelling you want either i think a familiar event with ip that you're comfortable with that you know when you make the trek to go to a theater and i'm very pro theater everyone go to a theater on a friday go to a packed house watch a movie you'll have more fun than watching it at home on tv guarantee it um but even something like us to use as an example and i think us is a brilliantly made movie i think jordan peele's a really incredible director it's also hardline genre so it is very much it's a hard r horror movie and horror is in a renaissance right now but it's also somewhat a bubble because just like the western just like fantasy people are going to get tired of very specifically niche just that genre and it's going to burst and then people are going to migrate to something else which is totally fine 
But that makes it to me not super original, but it doesn't have to be original. I just don't think that's a great example of like original content because even that itself is like an original idea injected into a framework that is like tried and true stereotypical horror. Yeah. Yeah, John. Well, so I mean, so the 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 horror renaissance basically has, I would say, largely come from like Blumhouse. Yeah, uh, who does a really really good job of making movies that aren't that expensive and then making you feel like they are uh, events, kind of. I would oh, say, yeah. and I, I think that's that's part of it. And when I think about like what movies I am willing to go see in a theater, because that shit is expensive these days. Yeah, like a a date to the draft house is a hundred bucks between the tickets and a few beers and like the pizza and like the whole shebang. And so it's like, you have to think about what you want. It has to be really intentional. To, to, yeah. What, to, you, to, what you want to see and what you want to go spend that money on, especially when there are, you know, 19 new mediocre things on Netflix to yeah. like steal your attention away. And it's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm probably not going to go see an Amy Poehler, Will Ferrell comedy in the theaters anymore. No. Um, but that kind of makes me sad because it, it does, but it's like, it's, the the theater doesn't i will say i don't feel like the theater adds much enjoyment to that type of movie or to like a rom-com i would or, agree you know so it like you have to have an event if it doesn't have if it's not mission impossible five or six or seven with it has these like incredible action set pieces with tom cruise like you know solo flying a helicopter and then jumping out of it it's like you got to feel like you're getting your your money's worth and so that's what horror i think has done really well it's like you want to be in the crowded theater you want to like be scared with other people yeah, you want to hear wanna... people scream and... Yeah, yeah and and i think like i mean you'll remember this the the renaissance year of comedy 2004 when anchorman dodgeball starsky and hutch euro trip yeah i just i think there were 24 releases in three months wow uh, and then, that I mean, all... right, and that rolled in right into like 2005 with Wedding Crashers, right? Uh, uh, the the Brat Pack Renaissance, yeah, essentially. Yes. Um, and the thing that made those so successful wasn't that like comedies land in theaters; it's that people were like, "Oh, if we all go opening day, we'll hear everyone laugh and we'll have a good time." Right, and that right. eventism at that time was just that genre. Now, you know, you can watch the rest of Development season five and mildly chuckle <laughs> instead. Um, here's the thing: I think about movies and i think it gets a bad rap it's kind of like how people pirate things and they don't really get it there are so many options i mean movie pass is dead but like amc a list you pay 15 bucks or maybe it's 12 bucks you can see three movies a week i have that i go that's why that's amazing i go to yeah. barton creek uh and i go and see something me and ben wait so what what is the amc this is an amc version amc's of it? movie pass is called a list it's 13 dollars a month and you get three movies a week that can be any day it pays for like I got tickets to Avengers fifteen from, a month. Yeah, I got for tickets, three movies a week. I got tickets to Avengers, which I do, again I don't even care about Marvel movies. <laughs> I got advanced tickets to it for four weeks from now, an eighteen dollar and fifty cent ticket to like the Dolby Atmos, the big uh-huh. theater. For it was just one of my free tickets for the week. Wow, and I'm doing air quotes for everyone, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that's awesome. So stuff I mean, like that, and then Draft House is going to have their own yeah. uh, subscription plan. And I think that's the way those compete with streamers to where you maybe right. do see like an Amy Poehler or a sure, Will Ferrell comedy. Sure. They also have to be good comedies. In order yeah, to see. yeah, they do. Uh, I mean, and and that's what, like, you know, I hate to say it, but like that is where Rotten Tomatoes and uh, both critic and audience score like come into play big time. Yeah. And then that's getting ruined too. Because, Majority stakeholders. Because then you because then you have like the trolls that come in and, and basically like, I read that they just absolutely torpedoed Captain Marvel's uh, audience. They did. Review. They made it like you know twelve percent or yeah. something like that, just because there was such 
you know, an onslaught of like the Reddit and 4chan trolls basically killing, trying to kill this movie. Yeah. So well, pe- those are hard also, to trust now too. So. Well, and people don't understand Rotten Tomatoes. They're thinking if they say 50%, they're thinking, oh, people like this 50% of 100. Really what that means is like half the people might have loved it. Yes. Half the people might have mildly disliked it. Yeah, right. That's true. Just not understanding that. The I, I know. I'm actually not sure. I think the audience score is- That's just the rate. It's like an yeah. up or a down. Yeah. It's like a, a two thumbs up, two thumbs down. But but on the on the tomato score, on the tomato meter for the critics, if it's fifty percent, that means fifty percent of critics liked it. Like those fifty percent, fifty two percent of people that love Dumbo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, have you actually seen Dumbo? I have. And did, was it good? Here's the thing, it's a really good live action children's movie made by Tim Burton. Okay. If you want Sleepy Hollow Dumbo, you're not getting it. <laughs> I don't know why people have pictured that. If you want Dan DeVito as the penguin, not getting it. He's a he's a circus guy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> but again, I didn't pay for it because I used my AMC A list, and then I didn't feel bad about it. I went and saw the Beach Bum the next day for free. Also, <laughs> is that already out? It's also a fifty percent Rotten Tomatoes. God, I'm I'm I need to go see that. Get very drunk. Big McConaughey see it. and Zac Efron guy. Oh, he's in like two minutes of the movie. It's more of a cameo than anything. Yeah, he's a co-head at a church retreat, and okay. that's it. Well, I, he's I, fun in it. You know, maybe I'll go see it, and then we'll do another episode of effing around for all you effies and effers out there. That is a very inside joke. Probably ten of you got that, but I appreciate the ten of you that that do. Um, all right, how about some other movie stuff? The Oscars were last month. They it was kind of weird to me, like we mentioned off mic as well. Like the spread was good. Yeah. They did a really good job of kind of like giving every movie that mattered. At least they like, like to share the love. They did. Days. They really, yeah. They shared the love really well. So that was cool to see. I like see. I like seeing that. Um, but it also felt. I was mostly very surprised. This Star Is Born didn't win any awards. And you kind of we went into the Oscars knowing that it probably wasn't because it had just really kind of like struggled fizzled. to well, yeah fizzle. I mean, it didn't struggle initially. It had four months of really yeah. strong praise. Um, but you know, typically. Th- the Academy and the people that are voting, I feel like really like movies that kind of like pump up the entertainment industry. Absolutely. They love to like see themselves represented on screen and see their industry represented yeah. on screen. And well, it's like very, you know. Even from, I mean, that's the Shakespeare in Love, Saving Private Ryan, a movie that's about the theater changing people's lives. Right. Is going right. to be the greatest war movie of all time. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And very, yep. And I always go back to uh, to the artist which Being one? Tree of Life and Midnight in Paris and yeah. Moneyball because it was yeah because it was like oh such a throwback to the silent film ways like and they just loved that that nostalgia for the beginning of and, of and the that industry. won everything it won yeah. like can you name the name of the actor that won in that movie or his character name uh, I feel like his first name was Jean that's true <laughs> uh, but could you name who Brad Pitt played in Moneyball uh, Billy Bean there you go yeah and see so you remember it nine years later yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, it's a good um, point. But no, it's it's changed. The landscape's changed. Um, kind of a cool thing someone pointed out to me, my brother pointed out to me like two weeks ago, is that of the last seven years, six of them, the same three Mexican-born directors, have won Best Director. Yeah, that that is something. It's crazy. And then before that, Ang Lee won. So um, yeah. I don't know, just a little tidbit there. I think things are changing partly because of political movements for more inclusion. Mm-hmm. Um and then two big things. So, like, Oscar So White happened a couple years ago. Right. I think it shifted from let's talk about ourselves to let's try and get as many voices in as possible. The right. Academy, people think of it as, like, 
a hundred old white guys. It's thousands of people. Yeah. It, it's it was like thirty seven hundred people, and now it's six thousand. So mm-hmm. they almost doubled in size in the span of like a couple of years, and then they switched things to a preferential ballot. So you get a lot of these things where like, well, we were talking about it. Like Olivia Coleman won Best Actress, but that's mostly probably because she was most people's second or third choice, whereas Lady Gaga was a first on some, and Glenn Close was a first on others. So yeah, th- that's lose. that's really something that's come into focus for me only in the last. I mean, really specifically this year, maybe kind of last year. How, how do you know how long the preferential ballot has been? How, they, has that been the method? They did it for best picture for the past like three or four years, and okay. then they changed it to actor and director for the past two. So basically, what that means is like there is a you know there's an equation where people put their one, two, and three, yeah, and then they tally up the points from that. Yeah. So I and I I think that that we're seeing a lot of in the recent years of uh, like the winners, like like Olivia Coleman yeah. being. Getting a lot of twos and threes and not that many ones. Taking that L on that second place and still winning. Yeah. Well, and so um, I just put on a couple of weeks ago, I put on Shape of Water, streaming on HBO, and was absolutely shocked that it won Best Picture. Really? Okay. So, and I'm like a bit, I, I don't, I think, I think Guillermo del Toro is awesome. Like, I really like his movies, but that is not a very good movie. I agree with you. It's not a very good movie. I think that what, well, th- this is a different example. So that actually won a couple awards. That's last. That was last year. They yeah. spread it out ab- among a couple things. That's an example of people don't think about best picture being the best film. It means it's the best picture that was the best produced. That's where the producer wins it. And if you think about Shape of Water, it has really good acting. It ha- it's really well shot. It's nominated for editing. It's nominated for writing. It wins director. And so all it's the sum of its parts that I think won that movie. Yeah. Uh, it's very pretty. I yeah. think Sally Hawkins gives a really good performance in it. Oh, I'm a... I mean, yeah, she's okay. Octavia Spencer's really, the, or Michael Shannon's really the draw of that movie. Oh, I, I, I think it's Michael Shannon like crazy, I, dude. I think he's unwatchable. I, I mean, that's that's what's fascinating. The, about the meat of the movie is that Just Michael finger. is that my, is that Michael Shannon is torturing a, a weird water creature. Yeah, like that's what the film's about. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I, I don't know. There was there was no there was no purpose behind it. There's no reasoning for like why Michael Shannon is like. Right, but okay, but then look at the movies that that was against, and you'll see why they're like, okay, so three three billboards. We'll give Frances McDormand best yeah. actress, and so that's it. Goes it goes back to when there's thousands of people involved, and again, it's thousands of people. When yeah. you're like the Academy fucked us, they will no, they didn't. No, no one's they they don't know. Um, when there's thousands of people involved, most people say, okay, well, I'll give so and so this award, and I'll give this movie this award, and so. That's like this year, um, you know, Spike Lee won a writing Oscar, even though he wrote the like polish on a draft someone else wrote mm-hmm. for Black Klansman. So he didn't win Best Director because he won writing. And or like last year, two years ago, La La Land wins director, but Moonlight wins picture. And I think that's just where things are right now. People are spreading the love. It doesn't necessarily mean the best movie gets picked. I know people say, oh, the Oscars aren't always the best. Yeah. But. Yeah, I, I think last year especially. Um, I I just pulled up the list here. Now that we're we're onto this this 2018, um, you know, award circuit here. But a lot of the movies that I, the ones that I thought were personally very very good were kind of like they probably got a lot of number one votes from people that really were passionate about them. What's a movie that's and then a bu- and then a bunch of people didn't see them. I thought Lady Bird was awesome. 
I did too. Yeah. Don't ask my brother because he hated it. <laughs> He'll tell you Meyerowitz stories was the one to watch of those two. Um, but Curry. and then Get Out, obviously. Uh, but see, I didn't think Get Out deserved to be in Best Picture. What I where I thought it deserved to be was I thought it deserved either a win in director or writing, mm-hmm. and then not to be honored in Best Picture at all because to me that's where it sh- sure it was a fresh take. Yeah. But then it won writing, so I can't even get angry at that. Just side note for this year, you thought Bradley Cooper was the best actor of, of everyone, correct? Um, a Star is Born. Rem- uh, remind me who won. Freddie Mercury, uh, Rami Malek. Oh, 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 yeah. And he's good. He doesn't sing. It was okay. So it was Bradley Cooper. It was Rami Malek. Will, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. Movie no one saw. Yeah. Um, and uh, Christian Bale Vice. And then there's one other. Oh, I was kind of surprised Christian Bale for Vice didn't win. Well, he's won before. Yeah. And so. Well, that, Brad- when it's Meryl Streep, they don't care. Right, but like, look at Bradley Cooper. He's been nominated four years, three times in four years. Yeah. And, yeah. You know. Um. But same thing. A star yeah. is a star is born. No, Brad- Bradley Cooper was awesome in A Star Is Born. I would have been very happy to see him him win that as well. Or so anything other. Than or song. win any anything other than song. Cinematography. Yeah. I mean, how hard would that be? Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of award shows, you are headed to the. Well, I guess Cannes not. They give awards at Cannes, right? They do. Speaking of film industry, <laughs> they give a couple. Spike Lee won for Black Klansman last speaking year. Speaking of, of films that might be at award shows, you're, you're <laughs> on your way to Cannes. Is that's next month, right? That is in May. So in yeah, May. it is. Yeah. Jesus, it's April. Um, yeah, that's that's next month. I am not taking a movie this year. I was just invited based on my company on Atomic. So yeah, I'm going to Cannes. Um, Fun film festival in the yeah. French Riviera. And you've been a few times before. I have. I had a film there in 2015. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know, unlike like South By where you pay $2,000 and maybe get into a college show at <laughs> South by Southwest, uh, or Sundance where you buy tickets to individual screenings, Cannes is an invitation-only, zero solicitation event. So it's like for quote-unquote film professionals and invitees. Um, or rich oil sheiks that are buying movies that pull up in their yachts. Yes. Uh, yeah. And then press. Yeah. Yeah. And so you got to get invited. So we were lucky. We we're very, very fortunate to be invited three or four years ago. Jesus. Four years ago for a film called Thunder and Ash. It played in a special selection on a screen at the theater there, the Palais, Grand Palais. Um, and I think because of that and because what it was, what the content was, uh, we were invited back last year just uh, to have a film there. They didn't show our film but they're like hey we like you come come on back uh, and then in december i got another invitation and that got confirmed like a couple of days ago um and so yeah i'll be going back and and is this like is this like is it the best week of the of the year for you is this your super bowl oh, uh hands down i mean the best <laughs> week of the year for me was 2013 south by southwest okay all right. uh, um <laughs> that one's not even hard no it's fantastic uh i've you know i've heard you talk about how no one wears suits anymore and how they're not uh, yeah kind of relegated yeah. to the past definitely not the case right there no uh, can is i mean it's most like i think of can and i think of Ryan Gosling wearing like you know a, a suit that looks like it was out of uh, Crazy Stupid Love, basically. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like so, that's that is the picture that I have of of Can in my head. I love the kind of the ceremony of eventism of mm-hmm. people. I mean, I just made a big soapbox about movie theaters about people getting together and really actually sure. giving a shit about stuff like that. Um, and that's what Can does best. The French are very smarmy and snooty about movies. They invented cinema, and that's their like their holy grail. So you go there at night. There's a strict dress code during the day. There's a pretty strict dress code. There's no phones allowed anywhere. If they see you take a selphie, an armed guard comes and takes your phone from you and you just don't get it back. 
Um, <laughs> no selfies. No selfies. Yeah. Dude, if you try to pull that phone out on a red carpet, you're fucked. Um, <laughs> like, goodbye iPhone X. Hope you can buy another one. Um, but yeah, it's it's pure, it's pure like, cinema magic. You, you've got people that are me, you know, Schmoho Scrub over here, mm-hmm. beside uh, Jeff Bezos, and we're both in tuxedos, and you're both on the same red carpet, and you both have the same accreditation credential and the same shot at seeing a movie. And so it's kind of the democratization of, like, the old world of cinema, the old world of movies. Sure. Do you get to go on yachts, any yachts? So Do you have to finagle your way onto a yacht? You, you can. So I, I, I want to tell you, there's basically the grounds of Kansas City. There's uh, there's the Grand Palais. It's a giant theater, like a mm-hmm. megaplex. And there's a bunch of white tents for every like country. There's the American Pavilion. It's the fanciest tent because America is the best. <laughs> um, and then there's the beach. And it's all gated off and covered by armed guards. Like armed guards with big rifles that take it really seriously, and they give you a accreditation, it's a credential with your photo and your name, and they check it everywhere. So it's it's not like any other thing where you're just flipping a badge to a bouncer. They're, you're really once you're in, you're in, and everything's free. All the films are free. All the all the parties and things are free as long as you can kind of finagle your way in. I've only been to one yacht party. Okay, uh, it was in. 2015 it was for a korean movie i didn't understand any of the people talking uh but i they were like like bon quoi, bon quoi, and i was like i didn't know what the fuck they were saying um and i got on it and it was a ton of fun there were there were probably dozens of yachts parked putin's yacht was that up there oh, last wow, year wow i heard it's a 120 million dollar yacht <laughs> um and i actually just rsvp'd for a yacht party on may 19th so <laughs> i'll be okay. at one of them we'll, um, we'll look for those uh for those yacht photos yeah, those yacht those party yacht photos, photos. No, there's actually a lot of like parties in the hills and things actually i have a thing i'll tell you um i didn't get into a movie that i really wanted to see i was in I was, it was black tie, so I was wearing my tux. I was on the red carpet waiting. They hit capacity, even though I had an invitation. And I kind of wandered because my brother and our friends who were also attending got in. And I ended up in an alleyway where I was following some other Americans that were like, hey, we're going to QT, QT's party. And I thought they were saying QT like C-U-T-I-E. Like a, like a QT's party. Like a QT's party. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Uh, and I got there, and it was Quentin Tarantino's party. Okay, uh, all right. And it was in an alley and it was like like the Matrix or any club in a movie where there's like a sliding door <laughs> uh-huh. for the – like a passcode. Yeah. And I was a little drunk so I don't super remember what the like passcode was. But I was really – first time I'd ever been to France, first time I'd ever been to a foreign country. I'm like, Jesus, I hope they don't steal our livers when we walk in here. But I went into this party. Uh, I didn't get to talk to him but I saw a very coked out Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. And was like, he like sucking on somebody's toes or something? He, <laughs> he was extremely sweaty with his like bad comb over and he was wearing a blousey tux with like a black t-shirt uh, over it. Um, he's like, so there's, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of things everywhere. And there was probably 200 people there. Um, but I was like, that was a good time to network. Um, and yeah. so I met this old Jewish man who was American. His name is Les. And he was he was like, so you you didn't get into the picture, and I was like, no, I didn't, I didn't get in. He was like, well, what do you do? And I kind of pitched him, and I showed him my or the atomic demo reel at the time. Hadn't released it yet. It was set to Big Crit music. Uh, Big Crit is a Dirty South rapper from Mississippi that most people in Louisiana and Texas know, but yes. not much outside of that. <laughs> um, and he really liked it. And I talked to him for a while, and then a couple days passed by, and he was he emailed me and he let me know oh hey he uh, i he bought sicario the movie sicario for lionsgate from the festival and then a couple months passed by and he said hey hope it's cool like 
we're going to use that big crit song in the trailers for Sicario because he, he saw the drop of it and the way I cut it uh-huh. in the demo reel. And literally, I watched for like nine months. Somebody say a prayer for him of, of Big Crit playing in Sicario trailers uh, because of it, which was kind of cool. And Dude, got- you, that's when you say, yeah, it's fine. I'll just take an EP credit. <laughs> well, you know what? He did give me about 18 months of press screening passes to every Lionsgate release. Okay. Uh, they just showed up in my inbox every Almost week. as good as the, uh, yeah. as, as this, as the film credit. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of cool. <laughs> um, Speaking of Quentin Tarantino, though, I am super, super stoked for Once Upon a Time in America. Which is premiering at the Cannes Film Festival. That's what I was just about to ask. Um, yeah. So will that be like, will that be kind of one of the the big events at Cannes this year? I think that will be the great. So last year it was Solo. Solo was the big thing because Harrison Ford was there and all okay. them, and Donald Glover was there. Donald Glover's talked about this as America and himself the whole time. So, you know. Um, but yeah, this year I think Brad Pitt, Leo, Margot Robbie, they're all going to be there. Quentin Tarantino goes every year, I assume, for the cocaine and the strippers. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and uh, that's going to be the big red carpet. I bet you it's going to be... So red carpets, you go to the box office in the morning. Hopefully, you're dressing like a – if you're a woman, you're in a sundress. If you're a guy, you're in a linen suit. Uh-huh. And you're like, I would like to request a, a red carpet you know, invitation, please. And if you're there early enough, then they say, okay, okay one moment, Mosul, and they br- give it to you. I'm going to guess there's probably going to be just a line of people sitting yeah. around yeah. waiting for them. Um, and so that's going to play – I think I don't know if that's opening night or closing night, but okay. it's, it's one of the big nights. It's the big pinnacle thing. They were hoping – for the Irishman, for uh, Martin Scorsese's movie, yeah, and he declined them. It's a big deal. Um, no, no one really knows why. He says it's because he has to finish the CGI. Okay, but that was supposed to be the big movie, and so they went to Quentin Tarantino afterwards. He's like, "Yeah, sure, you, you can have it." <laughs> um, I'm hyped for it. I'm really ecstatic. I think he's been on a hot streak. I think his movies have only gotten better. Yeah, better and better and better. Uh, I mean, if I don't get into the red carpet, then I'm going to scare find that alley that I was in 45 years ago and <laughs> try and get into the after party. Yeah. Do you have like a schedule or a list of like the movies that will be screened there? Uh, they don't put it. I, they either just put it out. It's always okay. just like South by with like musical acts. Sure. It changes throughout the week. So they let you know, like last year. We knew Solo when that was playing, and mm-hmm. we knew that Black Klansman was going to be playing. Okay, uh, we ended up going to the to the premiere of Black Klansman, and I didn't even expect it. It was like there's yeah. a line. We were in black, you know, black tie attire. We were there. They were like, "Would you like to go?" And we walked on. We, you know, you walk the carpet, you go in, you sit down, and you're watching a three hour cut of the movie. Yeah. So yeah. we're probably going to see a long cut of Once Upon a Time in sure Hollywood, America. Can't remember Once Upon a Time in America, I believe. Actually, that, now that you say that, you might have it right. Hollywood. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yeah. That sounds right. Um, yeah, I mean, is, are there any other, like, you know, smaller budget, middle middle budget films, you know, that aren't so extravagant or, or, or you know, uh, anticipated that, that you might be looking to see? Well, so... Anything on anything on the radar? What I like best, I mean, I mentioned that Korean yacht that I yeah, got on. Yeah. The movie I saw by those people, because I saw it in the Grand Lumiere, like the big theater on the red carpet, uh, it's a truly an international like fest. So it's not just the big movies. There's a movie from everywhere. There's a movie from Egyptian filmmakers that you could walk right up to and talk to. And it's on the same screen that once upon a time in Hollywood's playing. Um, and so like every kind of area of the entire world is, is represented in some high tier film. Yeah. Um, there's a, a guy named Madone, which is a, an Italian director. He made a movie called Dogman that I really liked. Matteo Madone, maybe I think is his name. And he's coming back. And so I don't, they don't show you anything of what the movie's about. 
you're technically not supposed to play any trailers or anything mm-hmm. before. Similar to Sundance, you know, South by they just play yeah. like whatever this is the hot new movie. Um, so you don't really know about any of them going in unless they're like the really big properties. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, that's cool. Uh, you've mentioned like the linen suits and the dress code, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that just as soon as we hear from another sponsor. Hey, how often do you think about your socks? If you're like I used to be, probably not that much. But now, hey, shouts to Ross Bowen Podcast. It is the year of the sock. And you got to discover these socks that'll change the way you think about socks forever. They're called Bombas. That's B-O-M-B-A-S, as in they're the bomb, okay? Yeah, they're the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. They're made from super soft, natural cotton. Every pair comes with arch support, a seamless toe, and a cushioned footbed that's comfy but not too thick. And that's exactly what I like in a sock. I don't like super thin like socks that feel too much like dress socks, but I don't want something that's, that's overly thick and like crushing my toes either. Bombas are perfect. There's all sorts of colors, patterns, lengths, styles. They look great. You can wear them to the gym or in the office, out on the town with some dope sneakers. That's what Club Cool is all about. Bombas are what feet daydream about. And Bombas has a great mission too. We love companies that do this type of stuff. For every purchase you make, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. You're going to love these Bombas socks. Go to bombas.com slash cool today and you will get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash cool for 20% off your purchase. Bombas socks. You're going to love them. They're just the best. All right, Andrew, we're back. We're talking about can. You've mentioned a dress code. You got to be in in sharp, bright linen suits during the day, tuxedos at night. How do you get ready for something like that? Like, how many suits do you bring to can? Um, pro- basically, you bring one a day and two tuxes. And how many days are you? How many days are you going for? Uh, I'm going for. Are we, I think I'm going for six. Basically, it, it goes for about nine or ten days this year. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, and also women have to wear heels and evening gowns, uh, which there's some like pushback against that, but, yeah. um, yeah, it's, it's all, I mean, you know, I heard you talking the other day about like rolling clothes or maybe it could have been a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, like we've, ta- we've talked about like ways to pack suits yeah. and sport coats. I think yeah. it was now my- how you do eight. I'm not sure. You no. need like some type of special bag for, well, for this. Micah said it best. I think it was a, a while back. He said you dry clean and have it folded. Uh huh. You basically have to do that with your suits. So you okay. have to just, you can't garment bag everything. Um, like I, I, I did an inventory. I think I'm going to take a pink suit, a blue linen suit, a dark suit, uh, and then a bunch of unstructured jackets okay. and pair them with slacks. So yeah, I've got like, yeah. I've got an Isaiah blazer. I just love to death. It also helps. It's my, you know, nicest piece of clothing mm-hmm. I own. Um, and it's like a blue window pane. And so I'll wear that with a couple different pairs of slacks. If I need to go somewhere, I can take it off and it's unstructured and it's linen and it's really nice mix and match and create yeah. different looks with that basically, one yeah. jacket so the, which the, is nice the staples yeah. are that you basically i don't know if you have to anymore it might have it's the landscape's changed in the past couple of years because of pushback against people being too rigid but basically if you're not wearing a suit during the day mm-hmm. or a tux at night you're booted out um you know my brother ben got booted for having a fully buttoned tux shirt with no tie okay and uh our buddy got booted for wearing dark shoes that weren't like patent leather or slippers with his tux <laughs> um so they care about it um what do you what do you pack i, I basically pack one wool suit 
two cotton or cotton linen suits yeah. and then uh like a burner suit is good do you bring a a, a handheld steamer in your bag so do. you can steam yeah. these out yeah that's yeah um learn that the hard way after the first year i mean uh, suits is like basically if it's suits and jackets is like the go-to you got to bring especially in like these crumply cotton linen materials it's, like it's that it's hot there people it's don't, hot people you need you got to have the steamer yeah um yeah it's a uh, couple check bags yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> all right and um yeah, so obviously you've got some really nice pieces, but you're not bringing eight four-figure suits. No. So, I mean, like like where, if, if you want something kind of crazy, something flashy, something to have fun with, like at something like this, where are you, where are you heading? Where, where are you going for this stuff? So, this is what I was saying is you get, basically you're going to have your staple pieces. You're going to have like a really nice tux, or at least a really nice tux jacket. Um, you're going to have your like, you know, your Brunello or your Isaiah blazer or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and then I have a couple Ralph Lauren Purple Label shirts. Uh, shout out, you know, Purple Label. Uh, and then if you want something crazy, and this sound, people think it's, it sounds like a joke, but I literally will go to a fast fashion place. Not even you don't even have to go to Zara. You can go to like a Forever Twenty One or an H and M, or and this is you know stay with me here on this J C Penny. You can go and buy a Hawaiian shirt or a pattern shirt for seven bucks, not like on <laughs> sale, not heavy heavily discounted. That's just what it costs there. Um, or say you want to try out like a hot pink blazer uh-huh. or, or so, like a peach colored slacks. You go to JCPenney, you buy a $200 suit or a $100 suit even. You go to a tailor, you get $100 of tailoring. Hopefully you have a good tailor. And you've got something you could try there. And if you bust through the seat of it because you're too fat or the rayon and cheap shitty material is too hot, you throw it in the garbage. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. you have an option there. I Literally every year I've gone now, I've brought one what I call burner suit. So last year it was, it was a, like a pastel pink suit. And I liked it and I pulled it off. And so I went back and I went to Neiman's and I bought a nicer, basically, version of it. From I don't know if it was from Topshop or it was Calibrate, one of their mm-hmm. brand, not, not Nace, uh, Neiman's up, Nordstrom. Nordstrom, sorry. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because I had that first one, I knew how to get it. And so that's, if you're going to experiment with things, and I'm pretty traditional in my style, I like, you know, I'll go and type in can photo call and I'll look at what people are wearing, whatever Ryan Gosling wears. If he were <laughs> slightly obese, that's what I wear. Um, we talk about the style icons of this show sometimes. Yeah. Is he? Would you say that he's like number one in your book? No, I mean, I sound like a broken record. Steve McQueen's probably number one because he's okay. casual, cool. Um, but, I mean, you don't see Steve McQueen in a lot of suiting, do you? That's the thing. He wore okay so that's a good point uh <laughs> fair point i actually I mean, really no, like, I'm, I'm, i'll give you steve mcqueen is like overall general style icon that's a great one but specifically like suiting things for suiting i, I think mean, chris pine pulls it up pulls stuff off the best okay he uh he's, he's great he's great at it he's well. like ryan gosling but he doesn't do three-piece suits so he doesn't do vests and he doesn't do ties necessarily yeah. i'm a big suit no tie New- loafers never never any socks yeah person. yeah um and because I have, again, the body of Chris Pratt at his fattest laying down on the track with his shirt off in Parks and Rec, uh, I got to look for those things that are skinny fat that make me look toit uh, and still good, still good and flattering. So that's not putting a noose around my neck with a with a tie. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. you know, Chris Pine does a lot of that. What is what, what is the for, for like for your body shape? What's what are the specific tailoring like? How do you fit a suit jacket? What do you focus on? Is it the shoulders first, so and then I, you go with the, or do you, or do you fit the body first? People then... fuck up the shoulders all the time, and I can't stand that. Yeah. It drives me crazy. Right. Um, I like a natural slope to the shoulders because uh, I like unstructured and unlined blazers. Yeah. Um, they work for me because they can hide your gut, uh, and, and they don't necessarily give you the boxy look, which a lot of people like. Right. And I get that because um, if you're, you're in a really sharp suit, it gives you a really sharp, you know, profile and silhouette. 
But if you're not, you know, if you're not you or Phil, <laughs> might not necessarily pull that off. You know, I got uh, Ben Affleck bloat body sometimes, and yeah, so you got yeah, you got to have the. So I I don't shoulders is the first thing. Okay. Um, I basically buy one size smaller a month or two in advance, and I'm like, all right, sink or swim. <laughs> You're either gonna fit into this or you or, or you aren't. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, like, I bought a I bought a window pane blazer I really like, uh, Heart Schaefer Marks, at Dillard's. It was like a six hundred dollar blazer it was mismarked for ninety seven bucks, and I was like, oh, that's mine. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I go I go for shoulder slope. I don't mind. I th- I think that if you get arms that are too long, it's another cardinal sin. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it's hard to make that look good. That's that is one of the hardest things about some of those less expensive suits that I've found is that a lot of them are doing like the the stitching, uh, oh, yeah. the the faux stitching around the buttons Can't makes it that. really hard to shorten the sleeve from the uh, from the cuff. They got to do it from the shoulder, or else they just botch all of that, and then then you're spending way more than you want to spend to tailor yeah. a cheap suit if you're taking a, a, a sleeve up from the shoulder. Well, and that's why it's so, important to have your staple piece. Yeah, <laughs> staple yeah, pieces. Exactly. Um, yeah. Sometimes for me, I feel like the sleeves are so long that I could just whack the whole like, chop the, all the buttons chop off. The, all the buttons off. Yeah, just, just, just like, have start like over. A, have like start a flare bell bottomy, just like <laughs> hemline. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I mean like the name of the game is taper taper the leg, yeah. elevate you know elevate the cuff on pants. Make sure that you can button the middle button of the blazer. Although I really like one button blazers more than anything. Um, and then that that the shoulder pad isn't too bunchy or sl- off sloping. Yeah, and we and we talked about you you know pairing this uh, kind of going kind of doing the high low thing. So if you if you spend less on a suit, then maybe you go with a nicer shirt. You really like to do uh, like nice sunglasses. You're a big Persol guy. Yeah, I love Persol. And we talked a little bit about this. You kind of got into sunglasses the same way I did. It was as a kid with a pair of Oakleys. Yeah, it was a uh, Oakley X Metals. Yeah, they, <laughs> they run for about eight hundred dollars on, on the, the black market. Now these that's days. not that's not the one that goes like all the no, all no, no. Of, like the one that has the helmet. That piece, would right? be, no. That's the that's the. Oh, U ring or something. Those are uh, tight, though. Though, the, if I can Dennis get my hand Rod- on the pair, there's, I'd wear like, them right now. There's like a you know an editorial shot. I think it's Dennis Rodman wearing them. Really? It's just it's or maybe he wears them in the movie with Jean Claude Van Damme called. Uh, I want to say it's called like Demolition Man. No, it's like Double Take, Double oh, Action. No, no, I know exactly what you're talking. Um, about. you know what? We're gonna have to look this up. I'm sorry, bad radio here. Uh, it is called Double Team. Oh. Double team. I'm pretty sure Rodman wears he wears some very cool pair of Oakleys in that. I mean, I was deeply fascinated with Oakley when I was a kid. One, they were made in America brand, and they made everything with titanium and mm-hmm. yep. carbon, and and then it came out that there was lead in their <laughs> metals, and so now everything's made of plastic and made in China. And so I don't really buy Oakleys anymore. But no, when I was when I was ten or maybe eleven, uh, Mission Impossible Two came out. And you know Tom Cruise throws those exploding sunglasses. Great moment screen. for for Oakley there. Yeah. yeah, and I went and bought them, and my dad was like, "If you fucking lose these or break them, then you're dead or something like that." And so they're in my room right now. They're in my sunglass case <laughs> along with four or five other pairs of razor blades and gas cans that I haven't worn since the mid two thousands. And uh, and then yeah, then I got into Persol and I got a pair of vintage vintage Steve McQueens. They're the they fold inward and they have blue gradient lenses and i was wearing them one day at some event and i was in a suit and some guy from luxotica mentioned you know mentioned them to me and that he liked them and that kind of got me connected with persol on a larger level and now i've got 
way too many pairs of them. Um, yeah, the blue Persol lenses are really, really they're just fantastic. A, kind of a classic, awesome crystal, look. and they're polarized, and so yeah. I love them. Um, don't wear them as much because of that. But no, the pairing something like that, uh, a nice watch, a nice pair of shoes. Um, it's all about pieces. I mean, you talk about this all the time. You know, I have a lot of really nice pocket squares. I don't like cheap cheapo pocket squares because they, you know, if they're not 100% silk or they're not cotton or linen, then they just look like you look like you work at the AT&T store and right, you're wearing right. an express suit with an yep. express pocket square. Yep. Um, and so the cheaper pieces you wear, you want a high-low. You want to put staples in, nice watch, nice sunglasses if it's daytime, nice shoes. Yeah. Now, with, with, with some of the shapes of suits becoming a little bit more relaxed, are you going to try something crazy? Probably not. going to go for a bell-bottom pant this year at all? Yeah, I'm going to go for just the drop crotch, <laughs> uh, like, super flare at yeah. Cannes. Well, I'm, I'm getting the feeling that you probably can't wear, like, shredded denim and Yeezys at, at Cannes. No. Um, <laughs> basically, if you're not wearing a loafer or a... I mean, you can't even wear, like, desert boots in Cannes, yeah, to be yeah. honest. So you can't really wear denim. I, I wanted to get some white denim and wear it with, uh-huh. like, a cable knit sweater, and I sure. tried it on, and I... One, I look terrible. And two, uh, I'm like, you look like an asshole. You can't wear that there. Yeah. No, um, really, you need to wear sl- – you have to wear slacks or you have to wear some sort of more formal – like you talk about dressy casual or like business casual mm-hmm. all the time. That doesn't exist there. You're straight up right in the thick of it and you're wearing something nice and sharp or but you're not going. You know, I, I, I really, really like that even though this specific like kind of brand of suiting – is not the most prevalent in the pages of GQ at this point or like out on the streets in New York. It still has like this place where it is the look and it very much fits. Yeah. You know, because that's the, that's kind of the thing is like you got different looks and different, different uh, you know, styles based on time and place and event and everything. And so it's kind of like you go to Cannes, this is still exactly what you want to look like. And it's just, it's fun that that still exists. And everyone's tailoring stuff. Because, right. And who doesn't want to look like Ryan Gosling from Crazy Stupid Love? You know, it's like a a timeless look there that even if if suits relax and and get a little boxier with baggier pants or whatever, it's like, (laughs) that is always going to be kind of a gold standard no. right there. Yeah, so. and if, if things go boxier and more like late 90s, I think what you're going to see is more of like a da- – I mean, you see, you talk about the dandy. I think you're going to see like a 19-teens dandy, like with the big pleats. Sure. You're not going to see like yep. a casual right. Jinko jean with, <laughs> with a – you know. That's exactly right. Well, Andrew, where can uh, where can the people out there keep up with Atomic produ- Productions and kind of, you know, yeah, so see you, your trip to Cannes? There you, go. you can look up us on Instagram at AtomicTX like Atomic Texas at Atomic TX on Instagram uh, Facebook.com slash Atomic Pro P-R-O and Atomic Pro or Atomic Productions dot C-O dot co you know there are some there's some other Atomics out there there are um, here's the thing started it when I was a child <laughs> existed for longer than any of those still work with the same people that I met when I was 10, 11, and 12 so you got it but, but you got to say those one more time so that people go exactly to the right place and don't end up on like oh. atomic you know landscaping See, I thought you were sleeping on my common right there it, <laughs> that, that, it is facebook.com slash atomic A-T-O-M-I-C P as in Peter R-O uh, very clear very clear, very clear. And what about your personal stuff? Uh, personal, same as same Atomic. It's at Atomic, A-T-O-M-I-C, Adams, A-D-A-M-S, is my uh, personal Instagram. Okay. You're going to do some more movie reviews on uh, on the stories there for us? Uh, Dumbo 2. What are you seeing next? <laughs> Dumbo 2. What am I seeing, <laughs> what am I seeing next? Um, 
a movie called The Mustang, which I'm really excited for. It was at Sundance. It's produced by Robert Redford. It's about a ex-con who trains to break horses while he's in or a convict, not an ex-con. Nice. So that'll be the next thing. And uh, and what is next for Atomic? What it, what in, anything that we'll see from you guys anywhere in, in 2019? Hopefully, by the end of 2019, you're going to see some more um, basically neo-western, southern gothic kind of either feature length or maybe a short concept thing uh, from us, uh, gritty crime drama. So we'll see. All right. We've got one more read for you, and then we'll be back to wrap things up. Hey, you guys have heard me talk about Harry's Razors, right? Yeah, I'm, I've got some scruff going on right now. As soon as I finish this podcast, I'm going home, I'm getting in the shower, and I'm shaving with Harry's because it is so close and comfortable and wonderful and amazing. Right now, my listeners can get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for that perfect shave. Weighted ergonomic handle, five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade. You get the rich lathering shave gel too. And my favorite piece, even though it's the smallest, the little travel blade cover. It keeps it nice and dry, makes that blade last a really long time. Man, Harry's, they were just tired of paying up for gimmicky razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. They know you don't need all that. That's why they fixed it by just combining a simple, clean design with quality, durable bra- blades that they make in a factory in Germany that's been doing this for almost 100 years. They have over 20,000 five star reviews on Trustpilot and Google. Harry's replacement cartridges are just $2 each. That's half the price of the Gillette Fusion Pro Shield. Once again, go to harrys.com slash cool so that you can redeem your offer for that $13 trial set, which comes with everything that you need for the best shave of your life. That's harrys.com slash cool. All right, and we're back to wrap things up. Andrew, thank you so much for being here. Once again, you can follow this podcast, Club Cool Podcast, at Club Cool Pod on Instagram. I finally got around to doing that editorial piece. I did a tie-dye roundup. We've been talking about tie-dye. It's like the hot trend spring for, the, for this spring it's and good. summer. Got all sorts of stuff. If you're looking for a tie-dye piece, I broke it down. If you're looking to spend a little, if you're looking to spend a lot, if you want something more subdued, or if you want something really crazy, kind of broke it down into tiers there, you can find that at clubcoolpod.com or barrettdudley.com. Both will get you to the same place. My personal accounts at Barrett Dudley on Instagram and Twitter. Andrew, any closing thoughts? Any any final summations of the industry as a whole, or, or, or things that you need to get off your chest? <laughs> things I need to get off my chest. No, I'm <laughs> I'm just excited to see where things go with these mergers and acquisitions. And I'm to be honest, I'm not excited for the boxy, blousy, you know, jinko <laughs> pant jean renaissance of the late '90s. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. It's it's uh. You know, we always talk about like the stuff that we're worried about is going to look horrendous yeah. in 10 years. And as much as I love like these big, chunky, gross looking dad sneakers, I'm like 100% positive that, <laughs> in, that, that in six years we're going to look back and be like, look down at our phones and be like, why did we think that looked good? No. Like, <laughs> the only thing I'm looking forward to is Heelys coming back because I got a pair in my closet I still know how to wear. Yeah. Okay. Give me soaps before you give me Heelys. Uh, my Heelys have soap bars on them. Wow. Yeah. yeah. The, you can occasionally find a pair of soaps on eBay, but they want like 250 bucks for them and they're never in the right size. So, you know, hit up, hit us up if you got some soaps. We'll do a soap sponsorship if there's anybody that, uh, that wants to revive the brand. All right. That's it for the Club Cool podcast today. We will be back next Wednesday. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you soon.